Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. COVID-19 in the NFL has claimed its first game. The disarray is just beginning with this. Every time you answer a question, you have several other questions. This is why Carlos Correa is my dude. That's exactly what that debate looked like. A bum fight. A lot of flailing. A lot of loud talking. And nothing was going to happen. This is not normal. This is crazy. High school football in Texas. Hey, you can't go to class, but you can still get on that field and crack some heads. That's how we're doing the COVID-19 down in the great state of Texas. And so I don't think they're at their worst case scenario, but it's definitely moving in that direction fast. Well, I think the Cowboys are going to be okay. Cam Newton is one yard away from being 3-0. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three. Two, one, and once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Oh! Mama, there goes that man. Oh! Ladies and gentlemen, stop show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Tuesday, y'all. It's uh, the first of our two podcasts for the week. We do Tuesdays and Thursdays. Want to welcome you guys aboard. Welcome you back if you've listened before. And if this is your first time, we certainly appreciate it. We have a wonderful podcast for you this time out. A lot has happened in the world of sports, and we want to dive right into it. But before I give you a rundown of what we have coming up, want to remind you guys, I have uh, something I think very important that I am about to roll out. I don't know how soon, really soon, probably within days or weeks. Within the week, I think, we'll roll something out. We're working on some things, trying to roll out more and expand and be able to do more things. And I want to make you guys aware of what we have coming up. But a way to keep up with all of that is to go to wadeswordproductions.com. That's wadeswordproductions.com. That's all things D-Wade, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. You can go back and listen to all past episodes. You can read up on us. Uh, I'll have poll questions from time to time. Other information you may find interesting. That's at all at wadeswordproductions.com. And there you can subscribe to the email list so you can get emails. I know that there are people who listen to every episode who have not subscribed to the email list. Please, I'm not going to bombard you. I'm not hitting you up every day. Not even once a week. But I will be hitting you guys up with information. And it'll let you know what we have coming up. Because when we come out on the other side of COVID, we want to do remotes. We want to get out and meet and greet the people we want to do some fun things and we are want to be able to keep you informed so you'll know to show up and be a part of whatever we have going on but in addition to that you can call me 24 hours not me but the sports line you can call the sports line for the podcast 24 hours a day 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. And finally, on social media, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and the group. I want you to join the group on Facebook. The group is where it happens. A lot of posts. I want to thank J.M. Keith. She always posts on the page. A lot of you guys, Charles Rayon, a bunch of folks always post on the page. And it creates the community that we have around this podcast podcast and around sports talk both here on the podcast on and on Saturdays on KTSU Sports Talk. 
finally on Twitter at Wadesworth, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D. Now, this time out, we have some headlines. In addition to that, we uh, tell you who not only was nice this past weekend, but who was D-nice. That's one of our Tuesday segments. Then we have a We the People segment, so I can hear what you guys have to say about Bill O'Brien getting fired, and then we'll take a time out. On the other side, we'll do some uh, what's brand new. And we'll do a segment called Still Call the Blues because there are a lot of people who are sad about what happened over the weekend. Then our guy, Eddie Robinson, former NFL linebacker. He is part of the special teams unit. He's here frequently. He's our guy. And we're going to hear from him about Bill O'Brien, the Cowboys, and more. So you definitely want to tune in for that. And the most popular segment of the entire uh, podcast seems to be the Lamar Award when we recognize the big dummy of the episode. So that all those things are coming up and before I let go. So all that's happening. But right now, let's get into some headlines. In headlines, man, oh, happy day here in the city of Houston and around the NFL in some parts. If you're a Texans fan, wherever there are Texans fans, I think it's almost unanimous that this was a great move to fire Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien 0-4 on the season, but something else had to happen because I mentioned this even on Saturday. Time and time again displayed a confidence in him that was unwarranted. And so after you give up 41 straight points, you get out to that big lead over Kansas City and then you blow that lead, not only did you keep your job, unlike Doc Rivers, who lost his job after squandering a 3-1 lead in the Western Conference playoffs, the Texans said, no, when we feel like we're in the head, we're headed in the right direction, we are going to make you the general manager. And this is the ultimate problem that the organization had from the very beginning. They have always given him way too much power. And it's unearned. He's not done anything in the NFL to ever have warranted all the control that he had. He had power struggles with Rick Smith, the previous general manager. He brought in his guy. His guy got run off again. And so, you know, you never know what is really going. You never knew what was going on. There was an ambiguity in how the power structure went. Even when they did Hard Knocks on HBO, you really didn't get a Who's really, really in control? Really, essentially, it's always been Bill O'Brien having the final say. And that just was not earned. And I think ultimately it's his GM responsibilities and his power as a general manager that has ruined this organization or not allowed this organization to excel. Now, again, you've hit on your first round picks, but you've made so many ridiculous moves. And I think that his, his eulogy will leave his football eulogy in Houston will be led by the fact that he traded Deandre Hopkins, which it was the third or fourth in a series of trades. Now the Dwayne Brown, I, the Dwayne Brown trade initially was not. I, that was a Bob McNair. He pulled the trigger on that, but that set the organization back in ways that they really have not recovered from. So you trade Dwayne Brown. Now you're in desperate need of a left tackle because who you had on the roster couldn't get it done. So what do you do? You go and make another trade to compensate for that bad trade, and you get Larry Tunzel and Kenny Steels, which, again, nice players, but you had to overpay for them. So I think they ended up giving two first-rounders and a second-rounder. The 2021 first and second-rounders are going to Miami. So you don't the cupboard 
you your cavalry's not coming. The cupboard is is relatively empty in some regards. Now I, I get it that you felt like okay, you have to lock up your quarterback and you have to lock up your your left tackle. And I guess the, as an organization, Bill O'Brien made the decision. Well, we'll get rid of Hopkins. Because we know we're gonna have to pay Will Fuller. Will Fuller's an unrestricted free agent. He's making ten, almost eleven million now. He's gonna make seventeen, eighteen million next year if you're gonna keep him. And I believe that they probably will. They like him, although to me he's never been able to stay healthy. So you made that move. Now you, when you made the Hopkins move, it was so bad because you didn't get adequate compensation for the, the move. You can't, you give up a top five player at his position in the NFL, your best offensive player on the, on the organization with, a, with, and I'm saying that with Larry tons of with Deshaun Watson, who are both top 10 guys, top seven, eight guys at their position. Both of those guys are, but DeAndre Hopkins was better than that. And so now you have a situation where you didn't you got you brought in a guy who's the fourth highest paid who has a, the fourth highest paid number salary cap number in David Johnson of any running back in the NFL. That, that's crazy to do that. You lost Carlos Hyde. He opted to go somewhere else. You've not to me. This is the one key thing that no one ever talks about. The number one position that this team has never addressed. And they've tried in the past and it's never worked out. They have never gotten that tight end that you have to have these days. Look at Mark Andrews or Austin Hooper or George Kittle or Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller. All of these top-notch tight ends that these organizations have, and you have Darren Fells serviceable guy but you need a transformative tight end especially for a guy like deandre hopkins so they've never addressed that position they the defense that they felt so confident in is one of the worst in the entire nfl so all of those things lead to you getting fired now whatever else happened him being a him being a jerk the culture around that organization which personally i've experienced and i don't like at all he tried to make houston new england south i don't like any of that i don't like how he moves i don't like his energy he's not a houston guy and he's doing all of this like he's bill belichick he ain't won he's never won anything to warrant all of the things that have that been given to him by this organization. So now he's gone. Question is, and we'll be talking about this for a long, long time. Moving forward, who do you get? Obviously, you want a Eric B. Enemy. That's a guy. There are a lot of guys out there that you can say, okay, yeah, that'll be a great fit. B. Enemy will be my number one pick. I think he's the hottest coordinator. It should have been a head coach previously. But to me, that's a, a, a great fit if that can happen. But this may not be the most attractive job come this offseason. Because you don't have a number one, you don't have a number two, you have you'll be straddled with JJ White for seven, for another year, seventeen million dollars. I think that's the number he has on the cap. So you stuck with him for another year. I don't know, you know, salary cap wise, I don't know how much wiggle room you'll have. You're gonna have to pay William Fuller. So you have some decisions to make. You have some things that you have to decide, and you got guys like Whitney Merciless locked in. So you you have some some problems, but you do have a solid quarterback and a solid left tackle. So you have a foundation there. But if there are other jobs available, and there will be, you have to wonder, is this the most attractive job moving forward? We'll see. 
We'll, and we'll see how many games they end up winning because I don't think – I think they'll win some games. Romeo Cornell assumes uh, leadership as a, on the interim basis. Uh, they're going to win some games this year. I, they, they're not going to be the Jets or the Giants. They're not going to be that. They're not going to be uh, one of the worst teams in you know, Atlanta. <laughs> they're not going to be – I don't think they're going to be that bad. I, I was wrong about Sunday in a major way. Because I thought with the disruptions because of COVID that Minnesota had, that they wouldn't quite be ready to play. And, again, that defense did what that defense has done all season long. And and we can break some of that stuff down because offensively, and I want to point this out, and I want to make this clear. So the offense, if you look at what happened with the offense this year versus last season. So last year at this time, through four games in 2019, the Texans were two and two. They had beaten Jacksonville and uh, they had beaten the Chargers, but they had lost to New Orleans and they lost to Carolina. They had allowed as a defense 78 points. It's 19 and a half points per game. This season, they've allowed 126 points in four games. That's 31.5 points per game. They've allowed uh, 48 more points this season through four games. Now, when you look at what they've done offensively, the points uh, last year, they averaged 19 and a half points through four games this year, 20 points. So not, not a, not a, in, in fact, a slight increase over scoring over in the first four games. Fuller is your leading receiver this year, 274 yards on 18 receptions. And a couple touchdowns. DeAndre Hopkins at this point last year had 23 receptions, 259 yards, and two touchdowns. So he had, even Hopkins had fewer yards at this point than Will Fuller has this year. Deshaun Watson, your quarterback. In 2020, he is 84 of 128 for 1,092 yards, six touchdowns, three interceptions. Last year, he was 82 of 126 for 938 yards, six touchdowns, and one interception. So the completion percentages were almost exactly the same. He was sacked two more times last year. And so it had, it, when you look at it like that, and, and I looked at the, uh, the run game as well, run game is not falling off as much. Now, I didn't look at the third down conversions and stuff like that or the turnovers uh, as much but you look at the points and the points allowed and there you have uh, your big issue and so they have some problems and they have some major major problems but they're not the worst team in, in the NFL by far and again they'll win some games and, and probably we'll see we'll have a clearer indication of what's going to happen come Sunday versus Jacksonville which again at home should be a win for them but if you're looking for good news in the city of Houston you have to look at the Houston Astros. They come out yesterday in game one of the divisional series and get it done against the Oakland A's. Carlos Correa, my new favorite player. He's not my new favorite player, but he's one of my favorite players because of his attitude. But And you heard on the last podcast, he talks that ish, and I'm, I'm riding with him because that's the way you have to handle it. He put his bat where his mouth is and hit two home runs yesterday. They got off to a great start in that series game two this afternoon. So we'll have to see if the Astros can continue undefeated in the playoffs. I think nine plus innings uh, without allowing a run for that bullpen. Bullpen doing work. And so I'm excited about that. Again, I'm not ready to say that they are champion. They're going to be World Series champs. 
But we'll see. You hang around long enough, you get hot at the right time offensively. You get a, a couple of transcendent performances from your starting rotation, a couple guys in the bullpen that you can count on. You never know. You never know. So we'll have to see what happens moving forward. In the NBA, game four of the NBA Finals tonight, we'll have to see if LeBron – I mean, I'm again, I'm not so excited. Look, Jimmy Butler had one of the greatest performances in playoff history. And they were able to win. Can he do that again? I don't think so. He says they've seen something. They know something. And that can give them the win. But the problem is, Davis was in foul trouble. Anthony Davis for the Lakers was in foul trouble. You, if you had that situation, then life gets a lot easier. We'll see. Because you you know that the Lakers are going to come out to make a statement and throw the kitchen sink at the Miami Heat, who is still undermanned. Because uh, Dragic is not playing, and Adebayo, Bam Adebayo, may not play. He's doubtful or questionable at this point. So we'll have to see. Not a lot of excitement around that. But we're not done with the NFL because on Tuesdays, I give out my stamp of approval. You have to meet three conditions to be recognized in this next segment. Now, did you did your team win? That was That's one. Well, no. Did you get off? Did you do your thing in a major way? That's one. Did you win? That's two. And three, do I like you or do I like what you did? If you meet all three of those prerequisites, you are not only nice, but you are D-nice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. If you're talking about teams that would be nice, you have to start with the Cleveland Browns. They go into Jerry World and drop 49 on the Dallas Cowboys defense. They move to 3-1 and one on the season with a 49-38 win over the Kyle Pokes. The Cincinnati Bengals get on the winning side of the ledger for the first time. Joe Burrow and company do their thing. They go to 1-2-1 and one on the season with a victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're D-nice. The Carolina Panthers, Teddy Bridgewater with a big home win over the media darlings of the preseason, the Arizona Cardinals. They go to 2-2 two two with a 31-21 victory over Kyler Murray and company. The Philadelphia Eagles, they go on the West Coast. It was not a good look. It was a horrible, horrible look. But they beat the San Francisco 49ers and their backup quarterbacks to the tune of 25-20 with their first victory of the season. Finally, team-wise, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 3-1 with a 38-31 victory over the Los Angeles Chargers. Tom Brady with five, count them, five touchdowns. If you want to talk about players, Tom Brady, we start with him. 30-46, five touchdowns, one interception in that victory over the Chargers. He threw to a guy, Mike Evans, the Galveston, Texas native. Seven receptions, 122 yards, and a touchdown, and he was big on Sunday. Aaron Rodgers, Monday night, was 27 of 33, 327 yards and four touchdowns, and a win over the woeful Atlanta Falcons in that terrible defense. Joe Mixon of the Cincinnati Bengals, 25 carries, 151 yards, and two touchdowns in that win over Jacksonville. And finally, Dalvin Cook, I told you what he was going to do, 27 carries, 130 yards, and two touchdowns in a 31-23 victory over the Houston Texans. So those teams and those players were not only nice, they were D-nice.
content, go to wadeswordproductions.com. Time for We the People. In the We the People segment, I turn to you guys. I have the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group on Facebook, and you guys had a lot to say about Bill O'Brien. But you can also always call me, 832-941-6614. I really want to encourage you guys to call. If you've never called before, just leave a message and say whatever's on your mind, and we will post it on the podcast. We want to hear from you guys. We It makes everything better to have those types of interactions. I know it's sort of a difficult thing to sort of let me uh, I don't know what I want to say maybe I don't say it right maybe you leave a message and then you don't like it and you're right no just leave the message get involved we want to hear from you guys that's part of the appeal that we want to be more interactive with all of you guys and uh, again create that and I talk about this all the time our our little community here and we need you to be a part of it because I know and I look at the number so many people listen we need more people to call but we did have a couple phone calls about Bill O'Brien let's see what the phone lines, uh, the callers on the phone lines had to say. Hey, Devin, it's Melissa. I was calling since today we have the breaking news that Bill O'Brien is no longer the head coach and general manager of the Texans, but there's so many questions. So was this something that the owners already had in the back of their minds? So they've already been scouting and talking to people. They kind of know who the next coach is going to be and or general manager. Do they already, did they have a plan B, C, D, E, F already talked about, strategized before this decision was made? Like I understand that it was, it's been a horrible start the season, but it just seems awfully weird that you fire a coach four weeks into or, you know, this far into the season, and so who's going to lead the team now? I'm not necessarily saying that Bill O'Brien needed to stay, but at the same time, shouldn't you have had a backup plan before you move on to whatever? And who knows? Perhaps they do. Maybe they do. But just so many questions with no answers. What do you think? Thanks, Melissa. I certainly appreciate the call. And let me say this. I do think that it came out of nowhere. Look, you had Adam Gase. The anticipation was that he was about to get fired. Dan Quinn is another one you thought he may get fired. I don't think a lot of people saw Bill O'Brien getting fired. I saw his post-game, his (laughs) post-firing, his exit interview with the media. And he says, oh, you know, when you lose to Minnesota, you know that this could have happened. I don't know that we some I see I think something else happened within that organization because they don't move like that. They don't do things abruptly and this is really really early in the season to make that move and not even into a bye week. This is so something happened really really bad, really really quickly. Maybe he had some kind of meltdown, maybe he had a confrontation with a player. One thing I will give the Texans credit for is that not a lot gets leaked out of that organization. Maybe John McClain and those guys can get in there and find out something, but no bad news really comes out of the Texans organization. So I think something must have really, really happened. I don't know what that looked like. I don't know what happened. But because this was abrupt and and Romeo Cornell is now the interim head coach. And and again, I think now you look for GM, but I think this had more to do with something in addition to the 0-4. Because earlier in the day, 
it was announced that he would be handling all the play calling for the remainder of the season. That was what came out of the organization. Less than three hours later, he was gone. He was without a job. So you have to wonder if he went off or uh, uh, cursed somebody out or uh, acted a fool. I don't know what he could have done or what he did do, but something happened from the time they said, well, he'll be taking over all the play calling responsibilities because this is not typical Texans behavior. This is not anticipated. It wasn't anticipated at all. Not that it wasn't the right move because I think it was. But this was not how they normally move. So you have to wonder, and maybe it'll come out, what really happened um, behind the scenes. Let's see what we have next. Devon Wade, this is Errol Anthony Wilkes. Normally, I never rejoice about people losing a job, but I, I did that today. It was a long time coming. In fact, all I had to do was write on my Facebook page, finally, and everyone knew to what I was referring. This man needed to really go. He has not shown me any semblance that he knows what he's doing. As a matter of fact, as a general manager, he totally sucked. How do you get rid of your best player just because you don't like him? Look, I'm not doing that now, but I've worked with people in the past whom I didn't like, but we got along to get the job done. He lo- I think he lost the locker room, the stars on the team, the J.J. Watts and these guys. You could tell that they were completely pissed off about what was happening in that locker room and that display on the field. How do you lose to a team that barely had any practice time? That just boggles my mind. And finally, the refs were really, really, really wrong. They should have given China Doll that catch. That was That is all. Thanks so much for calling, Errol. And you know what? I noticed something small in that call. He said, in the past, not now, not with the employees that I work with now uh, that I didn't get along with. <laughs> that was that was funny. But you know what? You're right. He lost that locker room. Something must have happened. It doesn't help when you have a great relationship between quarterback and number one receiver, and then you get rid of the number one receiver. So I know J.J. White was kind of surly, as expected, in the postgame game comments and so he wasn't happy so i don't know i think something else must have happened and again like i said the texans do a great job of not letting people know what really goes on in behind closed doors in that organization i will say this also and i mentioned this earlier yeah it's his general manager it was like one deal it was a domino effect. You know, the one deal causes the other deal causes the other deal. So you get rid of uh, Dwayne Brown. You have to get a left tackle. You overpay for that. Now you have to pay the left tackle. <laughs> and you you like the receiver you got in return in Kenny Steele. And, and now you want to ship away your best player. And now you're going to have to turn around and pay Will Fuller. So, so it all kind of goes together when you see how these moves really – sort of step-by-step step ruin this organization or, or damage. I won't say ruin because, again, uh, this has not traditionally been a a team that – I mean, they've won a division three out of four years, so you can't – you have to kind of put a little perspective on that. It's not like uh, the Giants or the Jets where you haven't won in 
decades so it's not like that so with that gonna take a time out here from our sponsor come back on the other side after we hear from our resident dj dj anarchy on the mix we have brand new our conversation with eddie robinson and we have still called the blues and before i let go and of course the lamont award so a lot coming up Hang in there with me. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. podcast music from our resident dj dj anarchy and again i want to remind you guys if you have music if you know somebody a band a local band or it doesn't matter the genre a local dj if you want their music or your music heard on this podcast just hit us up music at wadeswordproductions.com we'll play a snippet at the halfway point and an entire track at the end of the podcast genre doesn't matter it can be hey whatever and we want it to be radio edit, but whatever it is, send it to us and we'll try to work it in and expose you and your music to thousands of listeners. Now, with that, let's get into what's brand new. Brand new, brand new, brand new. The brand new segment is when I talk about something that's not related to sports. I won't go a long time, but it's been a bizarre, bizarre week again. And when you think it just, you, you, you think, okay, it just cannot get any crazier. It just does. It just, where is the bottom of this pit? Because when I finished last podcast, what, six, seven hours later, it was announced that Trump was, he was COVID positive. He was positive for COVID-19 and instantly everybody's prayers turned to his well-being and him getting well. And since then, he seemingly is well. He's well enough to go home and do a photo op and uh, campaign videos. Uh, but he's back in the White House now and he's saying... <laughs> 
COVID. <laughs> COVID is a okay. Well, you know what? If you have the ability to have around the clock premiere, like everyone is dependent on your life and you living and you are the only, you're patient one. You are the one. No one else. No one else matters but you. Then, yeah, okay, COVID can be a punk because you got a whole army of, of doctors and experimental medicines at your side. I mean, but if you just a regular person, come on, man. Don't let the smooth taste fool you because you'll be on a gurney in a hallway someday where depending on where you are with COVID. So it's so disgusting. It really is. And he goes around, he's getting everybody sick. He's like, oh, it ain't, it ain't it's nothing. And, and even if it's nothing, who wants to spend three or four days in the hospital? So say say it's nothing, okay? What nothing that you've had in your life that caused you to be in the hospital for three or four days? I've never been in the hospital overnight. I've never spent a night in the hospital overnight. Not to this point. Knock on wood. God is good. I have not spent a night in the hospital. But to spend three or four nights and really have like like oxygen issues, but it's nothing. Come on, y'all know better than that. This is just beyond insane. This is this is something that we've never seen. I keep saying that, and it seems redundant, but man, uh, what can you do? You just can't. You have to keep your own wits about you. You can't be a sheep in this situation. You got to think for yourself. So do what you have to do for you. Don't let that foolishness get you caught up, because it's not gonna go like that for you. Or 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 you may be asymptomatic. We don't know. The problem is we don't know. So that is the issue. And also breaking news, man, Eddie Van Halen died of throat cancer. Eddie Van Halen, man. One of my first albums that I went and bought, I had my little middle school rock stage. Well, I was in the rock, Ozzy Osbourne, Bark at the Moon. I was in the D.O. Not, not Judas Priest as much, but maybe Quiet Riot. You know, I had my little rock phase, Jimi Hendrix. In that 1984 album with Panama, Hot for Teacher, Jump, and then, of course, Eddie Van Halen played with Michael Jackson on uh, Beat It. So, yeah, man, just a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, guitarist. And, and, you know, everybody wanted his guitar. You know, he, he made custom guitars, and, and it was like, man, that was the group. And then he married um, Valerie Bertinelli back in the day that was a, a a hot hollywood couple back in the day before uh, before tmz it's a heck of a thing so it's tough so 2020 continues to be a very demoralizing year and it, it kind of gives you the blues and if you're a football fan of, uh, of these players and these teams that i'm about to name you still have the blues when you talk about teams and players that have the blues, you have to go up I-45 from here. Well, you can stay here, and we're going here. But let's detour up I-45 to the worst defense in all of the NFL. Those are the Dallas Cowboys. They are just horrendous. They cannot play defense. You let Baker Mayfield drop 49 on you, that is terrible. It is terrible. It's horrible. What a horrible defensive performance. Not much better here in Houston. The Texans allowed Dalvin Cook to run all over them. They're 0-4, and that whole organization still has the Blues, new coach and all. It's just a blue, blue situation over there on Kirby. The Arizona Cardinals, the media darlings, everybody love them. They're going to win. They're going to upset things in the West. Watch out, San Francisco. Well, last two weeks, they lose to Detroit, and they go on the road and lose to Teddy Bridgewater. They still have the Blues. 
the Tennessee Titans didn't even get to play because of COVID. And look, you not only are blue, you are sick and blue. And you're going to have the blues until you get back on the field. Looks like that'll happen this week. The San Francisco 49ers, man, they the injury bug is bitten them as hard as any team in the NFL. And Nick Mullins, the backup quarterback, and his crew could not get it done against the woeful Philadelphia Eagles, who just have no offensive line protection. They have no real receivers. I don't know how they got that done, but somehow, some way, they won. But the 49ers, 0-2 at home, still have the Blues. You talk about the tandem of Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham for the New England Patriots with Cam Newton, who has the Blues because he has COVID. Those two combined for 172 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions as the New England Patriots just look lost without Cam Newton. So hopefully he'll be back soon. Nick Chubb will be out six weeks with a knee injury. He went down early in the Dallas Cowboys game. He was running so well. He was doing so much on the football field. He would have had a field day had he stayed healthy against the Cowboys, but he has the blues. O.J. Howard out for the season with an Achilles, torn Achilles. So that's one less weapon for the cabinet full of weapons that Tom Brady has in Tampa Bay. And also, Austin Eckler for the Chargers. He's done for the year. So bad, bad news. Ezekiel Elliott. Man, look. He only had 12 carries for 54 yards and a fumble. But the 12 carries is enough to give him the blues. He needs to rock a little bit more, and maybe they can keep people from putting 49 points on them. And finally, old Bill. Bill hadn't been a very nice guy. Been a bad boy, Bill, but now you lost your gig because you did something other than I think it's something other than just going 0-4 to start the season. You trade away your best player. You've been rude to the fans. You've been rude to people in the NFL. And now you can be rude to the folks in the unemployment line because you still have the blues. Hey, anyway you look at And let me make it clear. I don't want to celebrate anybody losing their job, but let's not act like he's going to be sacking groceries next week. He's still under contract. He'll get either a buyout or he'll get paid the remainder of his deal. So he'll be making millions for a little bit, if not only for the remainder of this season. But, uh, yeah, he's in good financial shape. Uh, and I think that, of course, he, he's a man, a person, a husband. Uh, uh, he has a child with, spe- with special needs. So he's a, a human being. So you don't want to wish any kind of ill on him you just don't want him here and and he's the kind of guy he'll bounce back somebody will hire him quickly he will have five jobs before some of us will get a second job so yeah i I don't want people to think that i'm celebrating the demise of bill o'brien because again he he'll be okay He'll be just fine. He'll land on his feet. But, yeah, he needed to be out of here in the worst way. So with that, let's shift gears and hit up a conversation with our European sports nerd, a guy from the special teams unit, an NFL linebacker for 11 years, and he's our guy, our friend, Eddie Robinson, to talk about the Texans and Bill O'Brien and a whole lot more. Good afternoon. How are you? 
Oh, I'm doing pretty good. How's it going over there on Fannin Street? That's what we need to ask. <laughs> hey, it's a, yeah, it, I'm gonna start it off as soon as I get on. That's right. <laughs> it's a, it's a new day over there, and I have to tell you, given the track record of this organization, I I was shocked to see Bill O'Brien fired at this point. I thought at this point he may get named president of football operations for for the organization because that's again that's kind of what they did after last season's debacle in Kansas City. They gave him in name only because he was already the the personnel guy he was the he had the last say on everything but to give him the gm title was very demoralizing for a lot of texans fans come out the gate on for a start what do you think well i just think it's um it's at this point i'm almost like you could have let the guy ride it out a little longer but inherently i've been saying the longest that you you have a franchise quarterback in, in deshaun watson and you just didn't have a franchise head coach or gm now, you could probably get away with not having one or the other, but if you look at from the time he took over as the GM, is the team, just from a pure personnel standpoint, better or worse over the last couple of years, and there's been a steady decline in talent. And so at that point, you know, if, if you're not getting the talent, which is the GM spot, and if you're not coaching to victories, which is the head coach spot, and if that's the same person, then they, you pretty much have no choice but to make a change. You didn't have the pressure that you had before. I think there was a lot more pressure after the Kansas City game. After on four, fans kind of didn't care. You didn't have to worry about filling the stadium. So you didn't have the embarrassment of empty stands. And and we did see a a trash bag. I don't know if you saw the guy with the trash bag over his head. So, (laughs) you know. Yeah, yeah. It was was getting to that point. Well, yeah, there was one guy that they cut to in the stands. He had a a paper bag over his head, uh, you know, with the eyes cut out. He had given up on the Texans, but uh, what have you seen? Because if I look at the stats, the stats say, look, offensively, they're comparable to where they were last year. Okay, they they averaged 20 points in the first four games last year, or 19.5 points in the first four games last year, 20 points in the first four games this year. But the, the defense has given up 48 more points through four games. And I know everybody will point to Hopkins, but the offense is kind of doing what it did. It's the defense that – I mean, and not to say that that was enough because I thought the offense should have done more last year. But you look at the situation, it's the defense that has been just absolutely horrible. What are you seeing that has gone wrong for the Texans? Well, I think a big part of it is you have to look at who they played. I mean, you, you played – Mahomes and then you play Lamar Jackson so I mean you play probably the two best quarterbacks in the NFL right now some can argue so I mean part of it your defense is going to look not so good when you're playing some really good teams so from a from the standpoint of if you look at who the Texans have actually lost to and the games that they still had to go I feel like this team can still win nine games possibly ten because they still fundamentally have some good players and you have a Deshaun Watson so I almost think that it's something more than just the Texans started off 0-4. At 0-4 and still having to play all of the games in your division, you still have a chance to turn it around with the talent that they have. So you have to say, I mean, last year they started off slow and and they got it turned back around. So why would you give them the same chance now? I mean, because they they were very close to winning this last game. So had they won this last game and were 1-3, would you have still fired O'Brien or would he just have waited till the very next loss and fired him? So there's a lot of other questions about what may or may not be going on over there. You know, maybe he cussed out the wrong person finally. I don't know. But it, it just seems kind of weird 
if you're going to stick with a guy at this point at 0-4, why would you – Why would? I mean, it's not like they had four horrible losses. And they weren't – the, the losses were against some really good teams except for the last one. Like I said, I think there's a lot more to it. And this is where Bill O'Brien really made a mistake, I think. I think he made a mistake by assuming GM responsibilities. And I think the organization made mistakes by allowing him to have as much say-so. He had, he didn't have the pelts on the wall, the accomplishments, to say, hey, man, I, I need to run this whole organization. You're not Bill Belichick. And I think that was, to me, his GMing, was 10 times worse than his coaching, and his coaching wasn't, wasn't very in, in – I mean, they were productive in that they won divisions, but no one ever thought that they were a threat to go to the Super Bowl in his seven years. Right. I mean, they, to me, they did more of a – I mean, I, I always thought the Texans won more with talent than they won with great coaching because they, they were always a talented team. If you look at the guys they drafted, I mean, from the very beginning with Andre, you're talking about a guy that's going to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, they've J.J. Watt. I mean, they they've drafted some really good players and and picked up some low round picks who have done well. So I mean, they've they've had a lot of talent over the last ten plus years. And so you have to think that the coaching ever meshed with the talent. With Kubiak, I think it was a situation where you had a guy who was learning how to be a head coach. And if Kubiak, you know, gets another job as a head coach. I mean, he's going to do really good. I well, mean, he was. He went won a Super Bowl, so I mean, yeah. So, and, and I mean, even now, if he was to get another job as a head coach, he would do well. And so, I think what happened with head coaches is like anything else. I mean, you're a much better sports reporter now than when you first started. When you first started, I mean, that's why we have internships and doctors have fellowships where you learn how to be a brain surgeon. They don't just you don't just finish medical school and then go start cutting on somebody's head. You go through a process. So, I think head coaches is the same situation. And Kubiak kind of learned to how to be a good head coach with the Texans. Then he went on to win the Super Bowl. And now he's probably would be a really good head coach if he got another job. So I think with Bill O'Brien is like, he just had to go through that learning process of how to be a head coach, but you can't do it at the same time you're calling plays. And at the same time, you're learning how to be a GM. There's a reason why, you know, it's, it's called experience and veterans and stuff like that. And so I think you just can't put all of that on one guy. So it would have been a miracle almost for him to pull it off to do a great job as being a GM, a head coach, and calling plays. I mean, I don't even know who would want to have all of that responsibility. It was too much. It was ill-conceived. So from that standpoint, I think it was definitely time to move on. So I guess let's turn the page. Let's figure out who are the Texans going to hire as the next GM and the next head coach and the next play caller because you still have a league MVP type quarterback in Deshaun Watson. So with that in place, you can still build around him to have a team that can consistently win in the playoffs, which they have been, but then also try to take it to the next level and win the Super Bowl for the city of Houston. If you look at the job, to me, it's not an attractive job, as attractive a job as you might think. While you do have the two most important positions on the field locked up, you got the quarterback locked in and for a long time. You have the left tackle locked in for a long time. But you you owe JJ a lot of money next year, and then he'll be he'll be done here, I, I suspect. And then you have lost your number. You traded away your number, your first round pick and your second round pick to the Miami Dolphins in the 2021 draft. So the cavalry isn't coming. And I don't know from a salary cap standpoint, you're going to have to pay Will Fuller. You have some issues. It's not as an attractive job as attractive a job as you might think. What's your take on how attractive that job is? 
Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take the other side of that argument because I think Deshaun Watson, with the age that he's at, you can actually rebuild this team very quickly because you have the free agency aspect, because you have that JJ Watt salary that's coming off the books. So to me, I'm doing a fire sale. I I mean, I'm getting rid of everybody I can for a second, third, or fourth round pick. I'm stocking draft picks because I wanna have as many young, inexpensive, good players around Deshaun Watson as possible. So in another year or two, when it's time to make that push, the the good thing is you're not in a dominating division. There's not one team in a division, maybe the Titans, but I think they have quarterback issues that really stand out and say, hey, we're the dominating team in this division. So you can get back to winning the division championship with Deshaun Watson and a bunch of guys, I mean, in my opinion. And so with J.J. Watt, yeah, he was pretty much past his prime. You didn't squeeze all the juice out of that orange. It's time to let it go. Cut the cost. I mean, if you can trade him tomorrow and get a third-round pick or anything else, which I'm sure you couldn't, I would do that immediately because it's like you're already saying we're going into the future. So if I'm a first-year coach and I'm starting off in 2021, well, that year's a wash. There's no expectations then. So you're spending in the draft, whatever, wherever you are in the draft, you're moving down and stacking picks, moving down, stacking picks. And so to me, you get as many young players as you can. You build it up. And then when you get to that point, I mean, then you go and get that one or two big name free agents or you make that trade and then then you can have a good team again. And I mean, and I'm, when I say good team, I don't mean like win the division. I'm talking about AFC championship, like Super Bowl, like, you know, win a championship. Yeah. Just to win a division is, is I, I think the Texans have gone beyond that. It's almost like we need, with this Deshaun Watson era, you need to win a Super Bowl before he gets to that age where he can't do it anymore, where he's not as athletic and he can't move. But right now, he's high level and he can get it done. Let's look uh, up in the I-45 North. When you look at the situation with the Cowboys, you're in the highlights here where you said, hey, you know, I believe in the Cowboys. And, and I have I have not changed my opinion. I'm telling you, it's going to all come around. They are putting up too many points to continually be a bad team and to lose. They but doesn't it make a difference? Out- but doesn't it make a difference when you put the points up? They were down 27 going into the fourth quarter. So he threw for 256 yards just in the fourth quarter during garbage time. Doesn't it matter when you score the points? Well, the key to football is you want to score one more point than the other team does. You know, however you do it, whether it's 3 to 2 or 50 to 48. Okay. Now, now I'm not saying that with the Cowboys doing right now is pretty because it's not but at the same time they're able to move the football they have a good receiving core still a good running back still an above average quarterback who's highly motivated and competitive the defense for some reason is playing like crap so they don't have to play great defensively they just need to be average defensively so if they could get down to having an average defense start fast win a couple games as long as the cowboys are four and four possibly five and three at the halfway point they'll be poised to make a run in the second half and i keep telling you there's no home field advantage in the playoffs i mean there's a couple teams that have five or ten thousand but there's no way we can expect by january to have sixty thousand people in the stadium i beg the difference being a a road team (laughs) this year in the playoffs will not matter hold on i beg the difference look trump say man don't let the covid rule your life and they're about to open up the bars back in Texas, I'm telling you, they're gonna have tailgating at the next Texans game. This look, they're trying well, to get you up. What, you, you let you, you send me a, a, a FaceTime and, and and I'll join it virtually because I will be <laughs> at home watching the Saints on TV. Me too. But you're starting to see 
this you know and again this whole covid episode with the president has not helped the situation because he's saying look don't let it ruin you your life let's move forward and i'm telling you you have people who are waiting to hear that and like i said the state of texas is about to open up the bars it's a crazy crazy time so i wouldn't rule that out so what is wrong with that cowboys defense though when because i mean you're a defensive guy you played 11 years in the nfl what do you see that's going wrong with the the cowboys defense well, I, I think the the simple aspect of it is you, you can't stop the run and you can't stop the pass. So I know that's like a very simple answer, <laughs> but and the reason and the reason I say that is is because you have to have an identity on defense. You have to be able to take something away from the offense. If you're going to be a team to say, hey, you know what, we're going to bear down and based on our schemes, our formation and players, we're going to stop the run. And we may be a little bit soft in the past, but we know that. And so we're going to scheme up to then be able to stop the pass when we have to or vice versa. You know, you can say, hey, we're really good in the secondary, but we not, we're not good at stopping the run with our front six or front seven. So we're going to bring an extra guy in the box and let our corners play man-to-man because – we're so good in, in pass coverage that we're going to commit extra guys to run support. You know, so so you kind of can play to your weaknesses, but you have to know what your strengths are. Well, the Cowboys, are, to me, have been very average across the board. You know, last year they were very good at stopping the run. They had, you know, the linebackers, they were good up front. And so now you can see where teams are running on them and they're also throwing on them. So you have to identify, okay, what are we going to be good at? And then we can also cover up our weaknesses because we already know that's what they are. And so when you're just middle of the road at everything, you have to come up with an identity. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know what happened scheme-wise. I haven't watched enough of the Cowboys game to figure it out other than just to see teams running up and down the field on them. But they, they have to figure something out really soon defensively. And offensively, if I'm the Cowboys, realizing that my defense is having some trouble, you got to start running Ezekiel Elliott and getting him going. He really hasn't started off with the type of year that he's really wanted to have. So if you can get the running game going going and control the, the, the ball the time of possession, and at that point, your defense is not on the field. Instead of going 70 plays, they're only going 50 plays, which is less chance for them to look bad. Sometimes people don't realize that the best thing that you can do to help your defense is to keep them off the field and don't expose them as much. Right. And you look at the first couple, the last couple of games, uh, Ezekiel Elliott has had like 14 carries and 13 carries or something really, really low. He just hadn't carried the ball very much at all and he hadn't had yardage. And again, I know that they've fallen behind so early. They hadn't had a choice in a lot of ways and that they had to kind of throw to get back in the game. But Dak, there's a lot of excitement about Dak because of what he does do during garbage time. But then when the game is competitive, he's not able to do the same sort of thing. So I don't know what to make of Dak Prescott. I know that whole situation is a mess up there. And I know that in the state of Texas, neither one of these teams is playing defense. Both of them are at the bottom in every defensive category almost. So yeah, it's it's rough times. want to ask you uh, about Cleveland, and I want to ask you about New Orleans. What does that win do for the Cleveland Browns? Well, I think it uh, it calls off the dogs for a little bit. I mean, I think Cleveland was at that point where they were, you know, starting to wonder, have we turned the corner or not? I mean, I I look at Baker Mayfield every time I turn on TV, the guy's doing another commercial. And I'm like, bro, have you made the playoffs recently? So I think Cleveland has to produce and they have to produce this year. I mean, that is a talented roster. So if you look at the players on that team individually, you wonder why they can't get it get it done collectively as a unit. And so if you look at what the Steelers are doing in that division and, of course, the Baltimore Ravens, they're in a pretty good division. Cincinnati is moving up. So Cleveland is at that point where, hey, it's, it's, it's almost time to say, 
can we get it done with this group of guys or do we have to start making some wholesale changes because they just haven't produced so i mean when you're when you're in that situation they needed that win to me i think cleveland needed that win bigger than the cowboys needed that win i think the cowboys can still and the reason I say that is because I think the Cowboys' division isn't as good as Cleveland's division. Once yeah, you fall wins. behind, yeah, three wins. Yeah, once division. you once you fall behind with the Ravens, and you're talking about having to play the Steelers twice, the Ravens twice, and the Bengals, who have you know a kind of upstarts with Joe Burrow. I don't think that Cleveland can afford to give away a game that they have that they were dominating. You know, say if the Cowboys would have came back, I don't think Cleveland could have afforded to give away that game to the Cowboys. Yeah, and the Saints rolling right along. Yeah, the Saints are being the Saints. I mean, right right now, I think the Saints are just focusing on you know trying to win the division. Drew Brees kind of settled down, look better. And keep in mind, I think the Saints will be a much better team when Michael Thomas comes back because he was so much of the offense. You're talking about with a guy, what he had like 140 catches last year, something. And that was the best in the NFL ever. So he, he broke all kind of records with that. I mean, now you're seeing Traquan Smith, Emmanuel Sanders, Drew Brees is forced to get the ball to other guys in possession type situations. Before it was always Thomas was the guide and everybody else was just you kind of fill in here and there. But now he's actually having to force feed some of these other guys. So you would think that when when Michael Thomas comes back, it'll make the whole passing unit even better because now Drew Brees should have more of a comfortable level with rest with the rest of the guys on the team. And Alvin Kamara has been playing like at an MVP level. It was, he's going back to the first year Alvin Kamara. So he's just kind of carrying the team right now. So, I mean, that's a team that can be really scary once they get Michael Thomas back, if they can keep everybody healthy when the games are important in November and December. Now I want to ask you about uh, – they got to ask you about those Astros. How about Carlos Correa? Two on one hey, yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Carlos Correa say come and take it, but he better be careful out there in East L.A., man. I think some of the homies are looking for that guy. He needs to stay in the hotel and stay on the bus to the stadium. <laughs> now, it, it, all, the, all the homies that are looking for him are in Major League Baseball, but he – like I said, he talks the talk and he's walking the walk I'm talking right about now. those Dodgers fans. Those Dodgers fans are still <laughs> looking for the Astros. <laughs> <laughs> With no fans allowed, and, and they're playing at the neutral site as they uh, take on the A's. They have obviously they beat Minnesota. They win in grand fashion last night. Oh yes, what last night? Yeah, they finished up last night uh, against the Oakland A's in Game One. Game uh, Two this afternoon should be. Uh, it's a fun time again. I don't think the team has the starting pitching to get it done. However, in the last nineteen, uh, what last nine innings or something, they haven't allowed a run. The bullpen hasn't. So. Uh, Again, they are doing work with that young bullpen, so that has been the shocker so far. They dominated the Minnesota series, and last night, uh, five innings, no runs from that bullpen. So they're getting it done in the bullpen. Uh, and if you can get more, a few more innings out of uh, out of Granky and McCullers moving forward, then maybe you can make things again a little bit easier where those guys can stay fresh. I don't think it's their year, but it's fun to keep winning. I tell you that. And even well, yeah, it's, with it's, all the injuries. It's always fun to win, and, and each game means a little bit more. But, I mean, for from the Oakland Athletics standpoint, what they have to do, they have to jump on the starter early. I mean, they have to try to rough up the starter for the Astros and get into that bullpen in the you know middle of the fourth or – early in the fifth inning so you can because it's five games all in a row so if you can if, if you look at the game last night when tampa bay played the yankees you know tampa bay just had to pretty much sacrifice the game because they didn't want to go to their a plus bullpen knowing that we have four more games straight in a row so they almost had to give the game away when the, the yankees got the grand slam and they went up you know and everything with with stanton 
And so the A's have to do the same thing that the Yankees did. They have to jump on them early and realizing that the Astros are a bullpen team. I mean, realistically, for them to win is going to be the bullpen and not the starter. So you got to jump on that starter early, get him out, and try to rough that bullpen up. So then when you start getting to that game four and five, because that's five straight games in a row. And so that's and all high-leverage games where you need to win every one. So I, I don't think the athletics are out of it, but – but I'm more impressed about the Astros. This is even during their, their playoff runs when they were winning the World Series and everything is that they do a great job of not striking out. And in the playoffs, it's so much pressure. Just put a ball in play. If you hit a hard ground ball, hit it to anybody because it's always a chance when you run the bases hard. And I say, I say the same thing to my little league kids. The worst thing you can do offensively is strike out. As long as you put a ball in play, there's always a chance that we can get on base and we can make something happen. And that's what you see the Astros are doing. They always are putting the ball in play and keeping the pressure on the defense. And then they also are swinging the bat good and, and it's leaving. It was just flying out the park at Dodger Stadium the other day. I mean, it's like everybody that it's like a softball game. Everybody that hit it up in the air just took off. So, I mean, kudos to them. They just have to keep those bats hot because they have a chance to, you know, start off hot and then they can get cold at times with. But like you said, it's always great when you're winning. To your point, in the fifth inning, that inning was almost over when Altuve ran out a ground ball that the, that the guy bobbled, and that that opened up the floodgates for them to get a bunch of hits with two outs and yeah, score a bunch of runs. Yeah, yep. and, and that's exactly what happened. And that was really all effort. And again, like you said, putting the ball in play. Put a ball in play. And, and the playoffs is so important to pull a ball. And if you hit it back to the pitcher, I've seen more pitching errors where they have lost the game just because, you know, they, they panic. Pitchers, I mean, they're great at pitching the home plate, but they're not great at pitching the second base and starting that double play. <laughs> yeah. And so finally, finally uh, NBA Finals, game four tonight, Butler came up with a super effort. I mean, like a, just a transformative effort. I don't think he can duplicate that. And one of the all-time great playoff performances to win game three. Uh, do they have any chance at all? Is that just uh, something, uh, you know, something to keep us entertained a little bit longer? Well, I tell you what, this is the game to me. Because if some way, somehow, I don't care if you got to turn the lights off and then click them back on in the full quarter, whatever Miami has to do, if they can figure out a way to win this game, I think all of the pressure just goes on to the Lakers. So now it's so much better when you can shoot when you're up 2-1, up 3-1. There's no pressure. We got LeBron James. I'm shooting threes, having a good time. If this thing ties up to 2-2, I would love to see the shooting percentage of the Lakers in game five when it's tied up 2-2. Because at that point, all of the pressure is back on the Lakers and they have to actually go out and try to win. But of course, the, the flip side is if they can get up to 3-1, I think that they'll figure out a way to win the championship. So to me, this is this is the pivotal game. I don't think Miami can win the series by tying it up 2-2, but they can definitely put a lot of pressure on the Lakers to have to come back and play some good basketball down the stretch because everybody assumed that this would just be, you know, a 4-0 sweep. And so now that is, if it gets to that point, and just from a fan standpoint, I would love for it to get to 2-2 and go to a game seven. Everybody loves a game seven just to see how that would play out. Yeah, I'm not as optimistic as you are about it. I think what they call a five-game a five, a five game sweep is the gentleman's sweep. I think that's about what we're looking at, <laughs> so, the gentleman's sweep. So how can folks reach you on social media? And, you know, I'm at erob50 on Instagram and Twitter. Man, you missed all my Formula One highlights, but hey, I'm I'm going to get you on Tuesday after the next race. Yeah, they're in Russia somewhere this week. No, they were just in Russia. Where are they this week? 
They were in Russia, and you know what? I should know that. They, they didn't. Thought, no, they didn't race Sunday. Ahead. They didn't race Sunday. They're racing this Sunday. See, you, you, you totally forgot all about the Euro Sports, man. We got to start off with it. We, oh, we, we got to start off Fos, with it. <laughs> ended, and we had the World Championship where the Frenchman Julian Alaphilippe won the World Championship. First time they had a French World Champion since like 1983. So it's been a super long time. So now they're in the Giro d'Italia. Okay, which is just like the Tour of France, but instead it's That's a whole lot for you to handle, so I'm going to let you go on that note, all right? We appreciate you. want to thank Eddie for joining us as always, and usually we will hear from him on Tuesdays, but sometimes on Thursday and sometimes a couple weeks between visits, but he's been pretty regular lately as a special teams unit member. He's been uh, here and we appreciate that, even if we do have to endure some European sports talk. So we'll do that for him. We'll indulge him. But with that, it's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks with no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you. You big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player, team, entity, someone in or around the world of sports that we deem to be the big dummy of the episode. And I may say this. Have you ever heard the phrase, give till it hurts? Well, yeah, that's exactly what happened to the Las Vegas Raiders, courtesy of the NFL. Well, courtesy of their own sort of negligent behavior because Las Vegas Raiders tight end Darren Waller and several of his teammates were at a charity event. It was Darren Waller's charity event in Vegas. And Derek Carr attended. Jason Witten attended. Foster Moreau attended. And backup quarterback Nathan Peterman were all in attendance for this thing. And that's a great thing because, you know, you have guys, they have these charity events, and the teammates come out and support, and they raise money for good causes, and that's a beautiful thing. There's a problem, though. (laughs) Big, big problem. Big, 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 big problem. The big problem is that this was an indoor event. Okay, not ideal in these tumultuous COVID times. But not only that. They were not wearing masks. So while celebrating their charitable works and it was spread all over social media, the NFL said, no, 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 no. And they fined Darren Waller $30,000. Also, Carr and the rest of those guys were fined $15,000. Now, that's not a lot of money, but to give on top of giving is not ideal. But let me say this. The other part of that is raise your hand out there if you cringe when you see large crowds anymore. Do you ever look like, oh, ooh, or maybe maybe something from earlier this year, early March, February, January. You kind of look at something like, oh, that was pre-COVID. Do, do you do that? Have you gotten that? Uh, of course, when we see these political rallies, like, oh, they're all going to get COVID. When you see these football games, I cringe. I saw what happened at the University of Georgia. I I cringe at these things, but at least that was outdoors. But this was an indoor event. And in light of what's going on in the NFL right now with games being canceled, the season could easily be in jeopardy if there's an outbreak around the NFL. 
they have billions of dollars on the line here. A lot of money changing hands. A lot of things depend on the health of this league. You cannot do this. $30,000 is actually light. They should have got them for $150,000, $200,000 each because that's stupid. You could cost the whole league some money. You can cost yourself the season. Like, do you? You don't even know those people. There were so many people. How do you know? Who do you know? You're in an enclosed space. That is just so ridiculous. Look, maybe they've been watching Fox News and listening to Trump press conferences, but whatever it was, they are all big dummies. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I mean, just so nonchalant. If you want to do that in your private life, I still advise against it. I don't think that's a great idea. But when your team, your league is dependent on the health of everybody involved. Now, this was before the Tennessee outbreak. And look, the NFL is cracking down on coaches. They're talking about taking games. They're talking about taking draft picks. They are not playing. This is about big time money and these guys have to comply or they will ruin this football season because i know one thing i am going to want more my sunday ticket money back if they start canceling any more games i'm like look i missed that kansas city patriots game that was supposed to be a game i paid for on the ticket and that was for free on cbs man i'm gonna ask him hey man can i get my whatever <laughs> whatever the breakdown is can i get my money back for that game hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars on the line but when you think about not only the games the salaries all the money made around the sport of football not to mention gambling not to mention hotels not to mention uh, all the stuff that goes into an nfl season and all the money that is generated and exchanges hands you you cannot risk that. And when you do, you are a big, big dummy. But with that, before I let go, before I let go, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. want to remind you Thursday, we are back at it with the Why We Kneel segment. I want to remind you guys, let me thank my folks first. Let me thank E-Rob. Let me thank Eddie Robinson. Let me thank um uh, my DJ Anarchy. want to thank our sponsor, Cobank Homes. want to thank Errol and Melissa for checking in. want to thank you guys all over the world who listen and share and give us feedback, all of that good stuff. We certainly appreciate the love and support. And I want to remind you guys, 832-941-6614-832-941-6614. Leave a message 24 hours a day, and we'll try to get you on the next podcast. Coming up Thursday, a Why We Kneel segment. And always, always, always remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. <laughs> This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.